Welcome to a special interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this episode, I speak with A.J. Holmes about his new one-man musical comedy, Yeah But Not Right Now, that is currently running off-Broadway at the Soho Playhouse. In the show, A.J., who may or may not have played the role of Elder Cunningham more than anyone in the Book of Mormon, tries to move past his crippling need for constant validation, all in front of an audience in an intimate black box theater. Now, in addition to the Book of Mormon, A.J. co-wrote the viral musical A Very Potter Musical as a student at the University of Michigan. I know, I know, I forgive him for it anyway. And is a co-founder of Star Kid Productions. And depending on what night you go and see Yeah But Not Right Now, you might see some familiar Star Kid faces, musical theater faces, comedy faces serving as his opening acts. We will have links to where you can purchase tickets to Yeah But Not Right Now and where you can find AJ online in the show notes and on broadwayradio.com. And now, without further ado, here's my conversation with the hilarious AJ Holmes. Well, AJ, first off, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to do this today. I, I really appreciate it. You are, I guess, about a little more than halfway through your run or just about halfway through the run over uh, at the Soho Playhouse. How has the first month or three weeks of the run gone so far? Yeah, thanks, man. It's been good to talk. Uh, yeah, about halfway through. Uh, it's going well. It's uh, it's a super fun show to do. I'm, I'm having more fun doing this show, I think, than, I, than I've ever had before. Um, you know, we, we started it at uh, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in 2019 mm-hmm. and later went on to the Adelaide Fringe in 2020. And uh, then, of course, there was a long uh, break uh, right right after well the aware. first quarter of 2020. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I forget now what happened. But I, I think the world sure. went through something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it's it's been going well. The you know the audiences have been have been up and down. It's it's a weird time to be selling tickets. Uh, I think across the mm-hmm. board for everybody. And so some nights we, people really turn out, and other nights we're we're, we're uh, you, you know it's it's a little a uh, little lacking. But um, but it's a great space, and uh, you know I, I think word of mouth is is spreading. So uh, it's it's been going well. You know it it. it Every time I get up there, sort of all my, you know, my producer worries because I'm self-producing the thing. So all day long, I'm, I'm texting and I'm trying to, yeah. you know, connect connect dots and make things work. And, and then I finally get the chance to just put that all down and get up on stage and do the thing I actually wanted to do, you know. And for those that might not know your background, uh, I think a lot of people appropriately kind of you did it at at Edinburgh and in Australia. Like you have played Elder Cunningham in uh, the Book of Mormon all over the world, including in the West End and in multiple places in Sydney and on Broadway on tour. For folks who don't know what this show uh, is about or don't know your specific story, what's the thumbnail sketch as to what yeah but not right now is is actually about yeah so it uh it tracks it, it's an autobiographical one-man musical you know that that uh, chronicles basically uh my upbringing in, in a family of performers uh through to my time touring as elder cunningham in in the book of mormon uh mainly my stint over in the west end in london and that being sort of my first encounter with uh with broader success and uh and it just uh, tells the story of sort of self self reckoning of like coming coming to terms with uh, you know 
the presentational nature of my being, uh, you know, uh, knowing how to look and appear as a performer, as an actor does, right? Like knowing how to appear mm-hmm. as though everything is fine or appear as though, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be exactly the person you want me to be in this interaction, whatever person you're hoping I am, I, I can be. There's a song in the show called I Can Be That Guy, you know, and, and it's about exactly that idea that I, I, no matter if you're wanting me to be the perfect son or the perfect leading man or the perfect boyfriend, well, gosh, I, I can do it. Um, but at the expense of figuring out who I actually am authentically. And so, you know, and, and the show really tells that story of, of just kind of the difficulties uh, that I faced figuring out who I was while I was being so successful at being other people. Um, yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty much it from, from, from childhood through to, uh, through to a, you know, a 30 year old man going, okay, well, I guess now it's time to figure out who I am. <laughs> yeah. And that, and people don't realize that that can be a little bit more difficult when you are constantly working on being somebody else. So that that's really fascinating. I, I wonder that even if the, the main script and the stories being told uh, in the show didn't change during the pandemic, did how you relate to this story now that you're telling it, post-pandemic change or did you learn something over the past year and a half since the last time you'd performed it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, truly, you know, the show has kept the same title from the one in Edinburgh in 2019, but it it, it is a drastically different rewritten mm-hmm. show, actually. A lot, of, a lot of the content has changed. Songs have been cut, new songs have been added. I, I feel like this run is the first time it's finally been the show that I was hoping it would be all along. And it was it was always on a track to becoming, but I, I think what the pandemic really did was give us time to sit down and take another crack at it. Um, and certainly, I mean, I think, I think God, you know, my, my director over here, Caitlin Cook and my, my sound designer, Craig Bundy, uh, while we were working on this show, we actually all got COVID um, together and oh ended my. up quarantining together uh, in, in early August, uh, probably the Delta variant. Uh, for, so we quarantined together for a couple of weeks and we set up a, uh, you know, the whole, all the technology for the show downstairs in my basement. And we just started running through it bit by bit. And, you know, there were times when I was writing lyrics from the bathtub because I was having such horrible chills, but we kept on working. Today. <laughs> uh, so it, it brought us very close together in a way that we had super not anticipated. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, it did what it's done for all of us uh, as a, you know, as uh, all humans in the world is that it, it gave us, it forced us to slow down uh, sit with our feelings, sit with our thoughts and uh, not run away from them and not be able to run away from them uh, and, and have to have to deal with them, you know, and, and when the show title, yeah, but not right now, it, you know, has many applications, but that's a big, one. like learning how to stop distracting myself from my own feelings, you know, learning how to stop saying to my feelings, I'll feel you but right now. I'll be a good person, but uh, not right now in a minute, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I'm doing something. I'm, whatever it is, I'm performing, I'm dating, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm being talented at this other thing. And I don't really want to, that feels uncomfortable. Not right now. You know, the, the pandemic, I think made all of us go, you know, there's nothing else to do. You have to face yourself. And I, I think because I was finally able to do that as a person and about this story, the show really benefited. Um, you know, it's tough when you're writing something autobiographical because sure. uh, a lot of your demons come back and a lot of the things you felt like, Oh, I processed this and I put it to bed and uh, you know, now I know how to write about it. Well, sure enough, you start writing about it and it's actually 
pretty hard to uh, to go through those uh, thoughts again and to bring up those old uh, bad memories. And uh, you get kind of lost in it. And that's why the collaboration with my director, Caitlin, and, and uh, with my sound designer, Craig, ha- has been so important because they were able to sort of shake me out of it and go, no, this is the, the thread of what you're saying. This is, you know, this is the main, you know, don't get don't get lost in, in that old shame spiral, you know, stay here with us. Um, and we were able to do that as a as a team. I have to wonder, as somebody who has not performed really since high school, when you were laying your demons bare, like you said, and talking about some really uncomfortable things, is that more difficult on some of those nights when you said, like, the house might be a little thinner than others? Or if there are, you know, as you're texting people, you know, to try to get more butts in the seats, is does that become more difficult uh, with an audience, large or small, because of how personal it is? Or is it just become another script once you step on stage, like the writing side of it is done, which was difficult. And the performing is just a character saying the the lines or does actually having to do that work on stage in front of people that might've actually been involved in some of those situations uh, make that difficult. Cause for me, that's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, no, I, it, it is. I mean, it, and it, it, honestly, I think there's truth in, in both sides of what you were saying. As far as my experience, like if I'm fully honest, there are, there are some nights where I feel like, okay, I've said this script a little bit and now I have a little more comfort level with it and I'm able to, to go through it. But at the same time that the show is, you know, the, the, the crux of the show is, is he still be, is he being authentic or is he still performing even yeah. now? Yeah. You know, and and we get to this place where, you know, I've been this, one of the like personas in the show is that I'm Broadway's AJ Holmes. And, you know, I legally changed my first name to Broadway years ago, you know. <laughs> uh, yes, please, please hold your applause. Please, yeah. please, everybody. But we have to move on. You know, it's really me. I understand you, you, you're freaking out. You know, I'm breathing the same air as you, but please, we have to keep going. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, by the end of the show, you're actually seeing me as just me, an authentic person, or at least, you know, we say at least I'm getting closer to that. And uh, so it, it is... Uh, it is, it is a lot and it is scary to properly go out there and go, okay, I'm going to tell these people about some really shameful things in my, in my life. Uh, and, and yeah, when it's only, when it's only 15 people out there in an audience of that could fit 178, that's, uh, that's awkward, you know? And when my parents come and see it as they are about to see it tonight, oh, wow. uh, I am apprehensive, you know? Yeah. Uh, cause I don't really want to say some of these things to my parents, even though they already know, you know, but uh, to see, to have them see their son say it on stage in front of a bunch of strangers is a different thing, you know? Yeah. Um, oh. but I think there's hopefully something refreshing about the honesty. And I try to just really commit to that because that's, I, I believe in that, in the, in that, 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 that the truth feels really scary to us when we're not wanting to tell it, but that when you just say it, you know, everyone actually kind of, we think everyone's going to respond so horribly, but in general people go, Oh yeah, that, you know, I relate to that or that I, I think some scary things like that too, or I've done some, some, some crappy things as well, you know? Uh, and that we're, you know, we're not so far away from each other in, in our own personal shame spirals, but yeah, it, it gets, it gets very scary. It definitely does. And I'm trying to be as real as possible. You know, it's a small theater. I'm not, there's no real character by the end to stand behind. Like if, if I am putting on a persona at, at these really, you know, deep moments, then it's it's evident. People can tell that that he that he's that he's phoning it in. You know, uh, I have to just sit there and kind of be with that feeling and feel their their shame and mine, and it all mixes together and and somehow bring us all through that. Or else I don't think I'm doing my job right. 
Yeah, I, I like, yeah, that's utterly and, and, and completely terrifying and probably why I haven't performed since high school. Um, so I admire you, but in no way envy you for, uh, for doing that. But, um, you, you talked about, um, the Soho Playhouse. And, and what's interesting about that venue is that there's a lot, uh, they've had a lot of things that, that kind of walk the line of one person shows and, and maybe kind of like some comedy storytelling things there. I, I, I told you beforehand, I live in Florida, so uh, I haven't seen your show, but I saw like Fleabag there. And I kind of wonder what your thoughts are on um, not only the things that have played there, but like this kind of seeming like recent influx of these one person shows, whether they be musical or comedy or otherwise or storytelling, that this has kind of become something that has not only uh, become more prevalent in theater, I think, recently, at least mainstream, but also in, you know, kind of the different things um, with like Nanette in, in comedy that kind of bridge the gap of comedy, theater, and storytelling, and how you feel about how all of those types of new influences uh, have played a part in this show. Yeah. Um, well, it's certainly cost-effective, this format. Yeah. You know, um, there, there's only one actor, and, and he's the, they're the writer as well. And uh, so if you're trying to do a show off-Broadway, you know, you're already uh, in, a, in a hole financially. So mm-hmm. this is probably one way to try and, uh, you know, just from a purely practical standpoint at first, that that's helpful. Uh, no orchestra, you know, uh, only one costume, how many props. Uh, <laughs> but also I do think there's something really, uh, you know, the, the, the stripped down nature of the format, the minimalist nature of it, I, I think it, uh, lends itself to this sort of like real deep dive of, of, of an authentic uh journey like i i got to see a uh, flea bag at soho as well which yeah. I, I i can't believe i was lucky enough to get a ticket i know but yeah i mean that that show is incredible you know and 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 it her honesty was very inspiring to me about you know the, the way she would i mean that whole it's a hilarious show that covers so much but it gets into this real taboo area of using sex as a coping mechanism to deal with your sorrow and to deal with the feelings you'd rather not feel and that that honestly really spoke to me and i i can't believe i'm performing at the same theater now you know kind of doing a show with similar themes. Um, I, and, and obviously Bo Burnham's inside, which, you know, I get a lot of comparisons to that because, uh, you know, anytime you're doing musical comedy, yeah. I think you can't avoid the Bo Burnham thing. Um, but I don't have a problem with it so much these days because I've been singing that soundtrack for the last few months. <laughs> uh, so I'm happy to get that comparison, but yeah, I, I think there's something just really, uh, really beautiful about that and, and, and about how personal it can get when it's just that stripped down format. And I think Broadway and off-Broadway and theater in general kind of flows between these states of where we get these huge, big budget musicals, glitzy, glamorous showgirls and gooey gowns, as the producer said, you know, uh, all the way down to, okay, now we're, now we're really sick of that type of show. and we're, we're just doing, you know, even when you get to Broadway musicals, you get more stripped down, you know, you get rent, you get... Uh, you get a two person shows. I love you. You're perfect. Not change. You, you get these shows that, uh, that are more minimalist and more focused on relationship and people get really hungry for that kind of like, you know, get me away from the superfluous nonsense, get me to the real meat of the issue. Um, so I don't know. I think maybe culturally we're just in that, that swing right now. Um, because we're all thinking about ourselves a lot more, you know, there's, there's a literally a lot of navel gazing going home for all of us. We're all at home with our, with our cats <laughs> thinking about <laughs> ourselves going, our, you know, are, are we good people? Are we doing the right thing? What's happening to the world? Are we destroying it? Are we complicit? And so I, I think it's an introspective time. And I, I just think, yeah, maybe the art is reflecting that. 
Yeah. I, I think the whole phase or whatever, if you're talking about how things kind of go through cycles, I think it's very interesting. And I, I think that that authentic and raw storytelling, um, whether it's, you know, musical or otherwise, uh, is is really compelling. And I, and I hope we get more of that in all forms of theater uh, moving forward. Yeah. But one other thing that I think is interesting about your show is um, maybe because you are um, – uh, self-producing, you have called in a, a bunch of friends to come and be uh, opening acts, whether those are theater friends. I see some University of Michigan friends, um, some comedy yeah. friends. Um, uh, love Chris Gethard, who was there uh, uh, last month. Last night, we're recording on Friday. Last night, you had your old uh, star kid in Michigan collaborator, Darren Chris there. Um, what is it like to bring in these folks um, to kind of, whether it's an opening act or a warm act or whatever you want to call it, to, to kind of be there as, uh, as not collaborators, cause you aren't working, you know, on the show together, but to kind of be there along with you to present this show to an audience. It's, it's, it, it makes my, it makes me really happy. Honestly, it gives me the warm fuzzies. <laughs> I, uh, I can't believe that uh, some of these people are, are even considering opening for me much less turning up and doing it, you know? Uh, yeah, Chris Gethard, Darren Chris, and we got we got a uh, Dan Soder tonight, and Taylor Tomlinson tomorrow. I'm just like I don't know how we convince them to do it. You know, I feel like we're getting away with something. Um, so so I mean, and and obviously that is helping us uh, get new people in, into the into the show as well. Sure. So it's, it's usually helpful. Uh, and then there's also people who who are you know uh, still very successful people, but have been my friends for for years and years. Like Brittany Coleman came in, who's in the Broadway mm -hmm. cast of Company right yeah, now. Yeah, she's great. Uh, and oh, she's incredibly talented. Yeah, and uh, just beautiful person. And we we got to actually do uh, you know I got to actually play piano for her for her set, and we got to collaborate a little bit. Uh, Erica Henningsen from Mean Girls came on and mm -hmm. told a story, and then I got to play piano for her. And so it, it's also just a nice way to go. Oh, hey, you're my old friend, and I haven't seen you in in a few years, and this is a <laughs> way to reconnect. You know. Uh, and, and what a, there's no more fun way to just ha have a catch up than, than to do this, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, flabbergasted that they're, that they're all turning up like this. And it, the, it, it feels like a show of support that is just very deepful, uh, deepful. That's not a word, but it is very it is uh, deeply touching. Yeah. <laughs> it is now. Yeah. yeah. It, you can do, it, language is always evolving. Um, I will say the, the only, yeah, the only thing that bothers me about it as an Ohio state alum, all of the Michigan people on these lists of opening acts is, is very concerning <laughs> to me, but we won't get into that too much. Um, but, All right. Yeah. Look, you, you can like football or you can like theater. You know, I, I can't I can't be doing both at once. <laughs> I, that, that is my life. Uh, Ohio State football oh, and theater. I so I, I, I might not be able to do them at the exact same time, but I try. Um, but right. you, you, you we kind of talked about the fact that the, the theater can either love these big glitzy musicals. Or, you know, they kind of kind of swing the pendulum to the other side for these smaller, more intimate shows. You have done both. As we talked about, you have played, according to the press release, and correct me if I'm wrong, you have played Elder Cunningham more than anybody else in the history of Book of Mormon. Is that is that factually accurate? Has that been <laughs> fact-checked anywhere? I, I'm not sure if, if I, you know, I, what I have always known is that I have, I have played Elder Cunningham in more companies than anybody else. Okay. I'm not sure if I've done it more performances. That's I think what the press Cody rep James said. Strand might, okay. Oh, well, I, well, we got to clear, we got to clear that up. Cause I, I think 
Cody Jameson Strand might might have me beat there, but I'm I think I'm the only one who's done it in every single company of the Book of Mormon. Oh wow! Meaning both national tours, Broadway, the Melbourne company, the Sydney company, uh, and the West End company in London. I think I'm the only one who's done all of those. Do you know what your total number of performances is? No, I mean, I stopped counting a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) They said it's over a thousand, but I didn't know if you had an exact number. But yeah. Yeah, it's probably closer to 1500. It's it's up there. But I know, I mean, at a certain point, you know, you just go, you know what? It's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) At some point when you're done, maybe you go back and and count them up. But I uh, do not blame you for not knowing. But I I wonder, as Broadway is coming back and Book of Mormon is coming back, you have not only worked on that show, like we said, as much as anybody just about, you've also written for South Park. And so you know that team so well. And it was really interesting to me over the pandemic that this show that has made just a ridiculous amount of money um, over the decade or whatever it's been playing around the world was conscientious enough to say, look, we're going to take another crack at this script. And and we recognize that sensibilities have changed since the show opened. Having worked on the show as a performer and having worked with at least part of the team as a writer, um, what do you, what what do you expect from them coming out of these workshops and everything that they're doing to kind of present a new Uh, a new ish, I guess, version of Book of Mormon when we see it open back up. Yeah, truth be told, I mean, I I really don't know what to expect. I'm very excited to see what they come up with. As you say, I mean, I think they're they're such a brilliant, uh, there's my cat meowing in the background. Um, (laughs) They're a brilliant writing team. And uh, I I think it's it's a beautiful thing that they've heard these, uh, you know, concerns and are, are taking an active uh, pathway towards addressing them and trying to, uh, you know, build a more uh, conscientious uh, script moving forward in, in today's world. I, I, you know, I think that's great, but I'm not exactly sure which parts of the show they're going to be addressing or which yeah. parts the, the concerns were even about, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, the whole, the whole thing is I'm, 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 I haven't really seen any specifics about it and I haven't talked to them about specifically what they're doing. So I, I'm, ex- I'm going to go see it, you know, <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I I just thought that with everything that we've gone through, in addition to the pandemic, with all of the social justice and 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 things like that, that it was a a move that a lot of creators and producers probably would not have done. Uh, but I think it says a lot yeah. about the production team and the creative team that they were willing to to put in this work so far into a run. So uh, I'm definitely excited yeah, to hear and see it too. Well, I, I want to wrap up here, um, finishing back on this show. You kind of gave us the thumbnail sketch of, you know, that it's about your life and, and the the ups and downs and the good parts and the bad parts of, of figuring out who you are as an individual. But what we don't know is what the show kind of feels like in terms of the music. I'm assuming um, it's fairly funny based off of the stuff I know about you and your writing uh, in the past, whether that's from uh, a very Potter musical or working on South Park. But what is the vibe of the show? If people are going to come to the Soho Playhouse and see this, are they, I'm assuming, coming in for something fun or is it, I'm assuming it's not too much of a downer, but what's the vibe that they're going to get when they're leaving that theater? It's definitely something fun. People people are leaving the theater smiling, laughing. Uh, you know, the songs are by and large funny. It takes a deep dive in the middle and it gets to a moment that feels like, okay, how the heck are they going to pull the show out of this rut? And then we do, you know. 
Um, and that's part of the fun for me is, is really sucking the air out of the room and making everyone go, Oh no, how do we deal with this? And then we do, you know? Uh, but the, yeah, the songs are by and large, pretty silly. Uh, you know, there's a song in the beginning about my, my mom posting too much on Facebook, which I'm sure <laughs> is going to be lovely to perform yeah, uh, good luck for tonight. her. This yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, may I rest in peace? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, I've, I've gotten a lot of people saying that the, the tunes are stuck in their heads for days and week after. And sometimes that's not always a compliment they're giving me, but more like, hey, man, I haven't been able to sleep. I've been hearing your song over and over in my head, you know. So uh, I'm proud of that, that the show contains a few earworms, it seems. Uh but uh, but yeah, by and large, it, it retains a pretty silly tone. You know, uh, it, it is a comedy show first and foremost, with some deeper theatrical uh, elements, uh, like a musical. You know, I mean, that's yeah. that's the goal for the whole thing. It's, it should feel like a comedy, musical comedy. You, you should be able to go into some real relationships and some real emotions, but at the end of the day, you want to leave tapping your foot and smiling. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I, and I guess I mentioned in passing a very Potter musical. I feel like I should at least touch on that real quick. Um, that sure. is that has to be something that I mean, are, are you surprised at how even enduring it is today that this is something that people are still watching on YouTube and I still see videos pop up of people singing songs uh, on Instagram or TikTok or whatever? Like, is it even surprising to you as one of the people who wrote it that this thing is still as popular as it was over a decade ago? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it was surprising to begin with, and it continues to be surprising uh, that, that you know, we, we, we over the last decade, we keep waiting. Surely it'll fade out of vogue th- this next year. You know, oh, it's finally happening. It's finally starting to diminish. And then Star Kids just keep on trucking. And I, I, yeah. I think, you know, the Star Kid community that those fans have built you know, we're as the writers and performers, I, I see it like we're really only a small part of that at this point. Like we keep feeding the beast, but the beast is on its own <laughs> mission at this point. Like, yeah. and the coolest part is they come see the shows, the fans, and they, they all, one of the most common things I hear is, oh, you know, we met through Starkid and now we're best friends. We met oh, online awesome. and then we took a road trip and hung out. And now we're, now we see all these shows together and we're like a huge part of each other's lives. And that's why it, endures you know because they they keep forming relationships and connections built around this thing that they love so much and i just think it's a great honor like truly that you know i remember the stuff i liked when i was 13 that there's nothing you like uh you get more passionate about than the stuff you like at that age you know between like 13 and 18 like you're, you're just totally like geeking out about the things you love and we got to fill that role for a lot of these fans and so they're going to they're going to like it the rest of their lives because it brings back nostalgia and it brings back memories. But then at the same time, you get new kids who are finding it even even now. And it's becoming a like, dare I say, a generational thing. It, it, it's <laughs> wild. It's wild. I mean, I did Book of Mormon, as you say, for longer than pretty much anyone. And and yet still the thing I get approached most about is I love you and Star Kid. You know, that's amazing. And I'm like, that was a little thing I did in college, you know, but it, it is just. And look, I still go back and watch the shows and I laugh because it's good jokes. It's funny writing. It's charismatic people. I get it. It, it, uh, it, it lives on. So I, you know, I just hope that I can keep serving that, that community in a, in a good way and giving new songs and new material that they can keep sharing and, and uh, enjoying because, uh, it, it feels like a very privileged place to be, you know, to, to get to be a part of that thing. Yeah. And the star kid, company keeps turning out you know new shows every couple years which is uh, and we always see them on uh 
on social media as soon as they're up and they've become memes. And it's just uh, it's a fascinating thing, despite my uh, reticence to like anything from Ann Arbor. Um, I, 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 uh, it's always fun to see this little group of people and friends uh, that just kind of did something for fun turn into something as successful as Starkid is. Thanks, Matt. Well, hey, I appreciate you working through your your inner oh uh, biases, you know, and uh, in order to enjoy uh, some some nice jokes. You know? it, it's taken a lot as a as a Buckeye born and raised. It uh, it definitely has taken a lot of uh, work and therapy to get there. But I, I can't can't be a musical theater fan and, and not come to terms with uh, with with the University of Michigan alums being being people that mm-hmm. I enjoy. This is a beautiful journey. I, I want to see this one man show. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, well, AJ, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, especially on the day that your parents are in town to see the show. I, I really, really appreciate it. I, I hope you the best. Uh, wish you the best with the rest of the run, and uh, uh, and hopefully uh, we'll see even more from Yeah, but not right now in the future as well. I sure hope so. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk. I appreciate it. 